0: Coming to you, live from Canada, here comes your game-changing, life-transforming, turning point moment. Yes, this is the sign you've been looking for. You're listening to Engage City Church, powered by hope, not hype. Online at engagechurch.ca. We're continuing our series today, campfire stories. Anyone been to a good campfire recently? Anyone, anyone, anyone like the way that you smell after a campfire? Anyone really just embrace that? Anyone, anyone um, like the way your friend smells when they've just had a campfire and then they come into your house and you're like, don't sit on anything, please. <laughs> don't sit on any of the furniture and uh, just go home probably. It's, it's the best way. I mean, the campfires are amazing because it just gets on you, but... Um, what I love about campfires more than anything else is I love, like, the, uh, I love the stories that come out of campfires, like how everything always escalates because all, everything's always better at a campfire. Uh, and what's interesting, uh, because I think we're seeing a fundamental generational shift right now. And that is the campfire story is, is losing ground to YouTube video guy. Now, instead of getting around and talking in a circle, it's like, guys, have you seen the video when? And for that 15 second video, you pull out your iPhone and it loads for literally 14 minutes. And everyone's sitting around in anticipation, waiting for this incredible video that changed your life, that you die, that you fell so hard. I I don't know why you died. That you laughed so hard, that you fell off of your chair laughing and you were crying. And then you watch the video, you're like, okay, well, I guess that was. It pretty good, but we're, we're kind of losing that kind of connectivity. Now, here's what the Bible says. It says that faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. There's something about sitting around and talking about these stories and sharing these stories, and what we're going to do is we're going to dive into a few stories. The first story is those uh, the Word of God, because every time we hear the Word of God, it does something to our spirits, and it gives us a little bit of faith, gives us a little extra jump in our step. My car battery died uh, a little while back, so I ran over to Canadian Tire, and I got myself a serious car charger, and I felt like a real adult in the moment when I didn't have to borrow somebody else's car charger. Uh, now battery charger now i have my L. and you hook that thing up Uh, when we read the bible it actually acts just like a battery charger for a heart it fires us up sometimes i read this thing and i'm like man i love these stories i love this book and i love everything that's happening here but i start asking myself a question how come this doesn't happen now anyone ask that question How come I read here, but it just seems to stop here? Old Testament, I understand why God doesn't send us to wipe out entire nations anymore. I get that. But New Testament, I don't understand why some of those things don't happen. And to that, I would say, many of those things are happening. They're happening all around the world. But by the time you and I, get it we go oh that's a nice story that's a nice campfire story that somebody else told I'm sure the details are a little exaggerated I'm sure when that person got healed that their leg wasn't all the way broken you know I'm sure their back pain was just like kind of back pain and didn't go away they just stood in the right way you know I'm sure that that breakthrough that word when somebody got that word of knowledge and knew all those things about all those people I'm sure they just kind of like googled them before and we've always got an answer to why the power of God isn't working. Or when it is working, we've always got a reason why it's probably not the power of God. And so we wonder why we don't see more, and yet our default mode is, there's, there's probably no way that's real. But why can't we see more of it? Well, why can't we believe a little bit of it? <laughs> why can't we believe Jesus? <laughs> I mean, we come here every week. I hope we believe it. So what I want to do this summer, the next few weeks, is I want to dive into some of these scriptural accounts, and I want us to understand exactly what that looks like for our life. It's time that we stopped reading the story and we started to live the story. God desires that you live the story, not just that you read the story, that his story is your story, and your story is his story, and it's unseparatable, and they're interwoven together like a rope just wound together. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm so thankful that you're here in this place. I pray that you'd open our hearts and our minds to what it is you want to say and what it is you want to do in this place. God, we we worship you. We magnify you. Well, let me be clear and concise and accurate and for the sake of the people, fast. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Everyone's like, well, I got nowhere to go. All right. Mark chapter 5. If you have a Bible, who's got a real hard copy? Real McCoy, we got one, two. We're, we're, we're hitting a record here at three. All right. Uh, Mark chapter 5. For those of you who do not have one uh, with you, it will appear behind me. Oh, that's why people use things like pulpits. All right. Mark chapter 5. Now, my youth pastor growing up, he used to preach this, this passage Um, all the time, anytime he's on a minister trip. I used to travel with him on minister trips, and he would preach this one, and I loved it. I loved the drama, and I think I loved it because basically as a 13-year-old Christian child who's banned from watching horror movies, this is like the closest possible thing to The Exorcist that I was allowed. It's like the Christian, Christian flannel graph version of like something really terrifying on TV. And so if you're there, say, I'm there, If you're, like, just waiting for the screen and want me to continue, just say, please continue. Okay, wonderful. (laughs) Mark chapter 5, verse 1. So they arrived the other side of the lake in the region of Grasnes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from a cemetery to meet him. Just out from a graveyard. Creepy start already. This man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains, so they tried often, whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. He went Hulk, like beast mode. No one was strong enough to subdue him. No one. I was gonna continue, but let's just paint, let's just hold on for a moment. Regular uh, Brendan Paulson, come on up here. Everyone, big round of applause, Brendan Paulson. Literally, Brendan illustrates every single one of my illustrations every time, mainly because he sits right there. He's gonna start sitting in the back pretty soon. So Brendan is your is a very, you know, athletic build, good-looking young man. He plays he, he plays. I mean, he's he's off the market, but I mean I think we could always. And never mind. Um, so he, he he's like he's like a great guy, right? And and he, he he's an average height. A little bit taller, maybe a little bit more than average. A little more than average. Okay, great. Um, above average in every way. Okay. So when, when, when we think about this guy who's demon-possessed, we often think about somebody who's like disheveled and a hot mess. But I want you, you to know and I want you to understand that anybody who lives in oppression and possession starts out this way. That the very guy who was snapping shackles and, and ripping chains actually probably wasn't big, built, and muscular. He was probably malnourished. He was probably diminished. He kind of looked really skinny like Brendan. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. I just i just got you up here for a while. So he wasn't like this whole big hulking animal. He was a normal person that you and I might see on the street, a very good-looking, normal person who happened to be demon-possessed, who happened to every single time someone tried to put chains on him, just like smashed them, ripped him out of the rocks, ripped him off went beast mode, went nuts, went crazy, but it wasn't some monstrous, hulking person like Seb. It was a normal person. It was a normal person. When we think of demon oppressed and we think about all these people who are possessed, we think about these crazy, ugly, scary, mean, like hairy people that are like... And I'm sure those moments happen. But it starts like this. Can I be honest with you? A demon-possessed person looks like you. And it looks like me because it looks like a normal person. <laughs> a person who's in chains, who's in bondage, a person who's trapped, and who's in desperate need of Jesus. Not somebody who's hiding off, who looks strange. They end up hiding off, but it doesn't start off that way. Thank you, Brendan. That was, all I wanted to illustrate was how good-looking. Like we... We read the Bible, and then we need to understand what it looks like in normal life. It looks like a normal person who gets into a lot of trouble. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. I like to think of him as the original Wolverine. When Jesus was still some distance away, so Jesus gets out of the boat, he's still some distance away. The man saw him and ran to meet him and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed. Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. So it happens in reverse in this writing, but I think we need to understand that it happens in reverse for a reason. So Jesus is getting out of a boat. He's just like he's like I'm on a boat and he gets out and he starts walking. He just starts walking forward and this person runs my sleeves coming up and he starts running this guy comes up to him, and says, why are you messing with me, Jesus? Why are you interfering with me? Why are you doing this? He bows low. The man he was possessed to, no one can sub- subdue, nobody can tame, no one can keep under control. Just bows low before Jesus. Why, why are you messing me, with me, man? He let out a shriek, in fact. He runs towards Jesus and he's like, ah! You know. And the disciples are like, man, this guy is crazy. What's going on? But the scripture tells us something important. Jesus had already said, come out of this man, you evil spirit. Now, the question for today is whether or not he said it out loud or if he said it inside his heart and mind. I have a friend who's a doctor, and I won't tell you her name or where she works. But she meets with patients, and one of the patients that she met with came in, and she wanted to up her meds, and she wanted to needed to have a you know conversation with her doctor so they sit in an, in a meeting room and the doctor's a, a Christian strong Christian lady missionary this happened in Canada and she's sitting there talking to this lady and as she's talking she begins to understand that this lady is actually possessed by demons and that some of the issues that she's struggling with not all, because as a doctor, she was actually able to differentiate what is a chemical imbalance and what is a spirit. She realized that she was dealing with more than what she could prescribe. And because she cannot just cast a demon out at the hospital, she sat in her chair, and in her heart, in her mind, said, demon, be quiet. And the girl spoke back to her. And she responded out loud. And the doctor just said, inside, in the name of Jesus, I command you to stop. And they had a dialogue with the girl out loud. And the doctor sitting quietly, speaking to her spirit, spirit. And it went on. Until finally the girl decided that she did not want to be free of that thing. And she moved on. Now we hear, like, do 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 But in the Bible, Jesus shows up, and this guy runs up to him and starts screaming. We're not sure Jesus said anything out loud. But he bowed low before him and said, Jesus, why, why are you messing with me? Why are you messing with me? Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. If you're trying to wonder what some distant place is, it's hell. Isn't it it interesting that not even the demons want to go to hell? Isn't it interesting that, uh, I shouldn't say this. Uh, isn't it interesting that the very demons that it was created for don't want to go to this place of eternal torment, and yet you and I are okay with other people going there? That's an aside. That was free. Oh. Evil spirits begged him again and again, do not send me to some distant place. Hashtag hell. Verse 11, there happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned into the water, also known as head-smashed-in pig jump. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened, and a crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by a legion of demons. Now, a legion for some reference uh, is anywhere between two and six thousand soldiers, but was most commonly four to six thousand soldiers. So there was either we know there's two thousand pigs. So we could guess that there's at least 2,000 spirits that were living inside this man. As the crowd rushed out, this guy was sitting there, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all aware. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. Go away, creepy guy. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. So I'll, I'll just wanna, I just want to pull a few things out, but I wanted to, to, to get us through. So you can see why I might have liked this story, especially as a grade 7 to 9-year-old. Boy, my youth pastor did amazing sound effects, amazing uh, body movement. He did the Legion voice. He did all of it, and I was like, I think I'll just tell it. I'm not going to try and reimagine uh, that. I'll just read it straight from the scripture, because I think it's powerful enough. Somebody who was possessed enough to have to live in tombs and graveyards, who a whole community was plagued by, that they tried to chain him up constantly, often, the Bible says, to subdue him, and he would just be like, Pfft. Now what? And he would just hang out in the tombs because nobody would not be near him. He would howl, and he would holler at night, and he would cut himself. You thought cutting yourself was a new idea? It goes back thousands of years. Self-harm <laughs> has been happening for a very long time. Now, I like to think, and I sort of wondered, if Part of the reason the guy was howling and hollering so night, I wasn't, I'm not sure whether that was the demon or that was the man calling for help. When you're that trapped, when you're that tormented, when you're that oppressed, how do you separate the pain of the man from the voice of the demon? It's easy to literally demonize that person to make him the enemy. But what if we looked at him through the eyes of Jesus? Jesus said, that's my son who I will be well pleased. So he just got out of the boat. Alright, get out of them. Spirits. Started an interaction. What I'm really interested in though is I'm interested in the the villagers. So we know that there's 2,000 pigs and If you've ever tried to wrangle pigs, you'll know it's not an easy job. If you've ever tried to catch a greased pig, you'll know it's basically impossible. (laughs) And so the the fact, the very fact that 2,000 pigs all went the same way at one time in a moment, in an instant, is a little kind of terrifying and also aggravating if you're the farmer who owns those pigs. Because that's a lot of bacon that you cannot sell to anybody. That's a lot of bacon, (laughs) a lot of pork chops, that's a lot of cash. I don't even know what the metrics are on selling pig parts. But that just costs somebody a whole lot of money. So normally go, oh, those people are mad because that just costs them a whole lot of money. But here's the other thing that we don't know. We don't know that they know that it was Jesus who let the demons go into the pigs. Do you know why? Because this is what the Bible says. They asked Jesus and Jesus agreed. Didn't say he verbally agreed. Didn't say he said it out loud. It Just said he gave them permission to go into the pigs. So if we're thinking about this from somebody standing at a distance, we see these people, two people, Brett and Brendan having a conversation. One guy's really crazy. Another guy's wearing a white robe with a blue sash. The only Jew with blue eyes and blonde hair. <laughs> Golden beard, though. And they have a conversation, and then all of a sudden, pigs just run off the side of a cliff. But do you know what they saw? They saw the man that nobody could control bowing at the feet of they saw somebody who they constantly chained up, who put in shackles, somebody who would rip shackles like, like, man, I don't even know what the protocol is. If someone shatters your handcuffs after you arrest them, I think he goes straight to taser. I don't know. I don't know what the protocol is. But these people would shackle them up, chain them up, put them in the graveyard away from where anyone could see. And say, you just go and howl and hurt yourself over there. You stay away from the nice people over here. They see that guy. The moment Jesus steps on the shore, he runs, he screams, and he bows low before him. And in a moment, they see a quick interaction. Pigs die, and the guy is perfectly sane. He's perfectly normal. He's sitting there in his right mind. And when he used to be like, he's now like, hi, how are you doing? My name's, you know, Brendan Paulson. And he just... He was sane, and he was completely normal. He was in their right mind. What they saw was somebody who had power over the highest power that they knew. Right? It was like, it wasn't like Jesus the liberator. It was like, oh, my goodness, he controls the demons. The most insane, powerful force on this earth, that guy's in charge, by the way. (laughs) If anyone's trying to figure out, he's in charge. And so it might be about the cash. It might be about the pigs. They might not have ever connected the dots until Mark connected the dots on a first-hand account. When the disciples were like, hey, so Jesus, how did you make the pigs do that jumping thing? That was pretty amazing. We don't know. Exactly. But what we do know is that Jesus has the highest power over the highest power that you can identify. And that's scary. That's scary because that doesn't look like freedom to some at surface level. That looks like another spirit who has a greater level of control. It's because they didn't know the person of Jesus. They didn't know that he was all about their free will, that he wanted to have a loving relationship with them, that he wanted to set them free. All they see is this powerful force who can tame the most powerful force that they know, that they can recognize. So sometimes we have a hard time grasping, like, why wouldn't somebody want to come and experience the freedom of Jesus? Why wouldn't they want to come to church with me? Why wouldn't they want all of this? Why wouldn't they want... That same experience that I've had because all they see is the power that can conquer their most powerful thing. And that's scary because what they see is they see the way that that other force ruled their life. They see control. They see manipulation. They see hurt. They see bondage. They see pain. They see shackles. They see the cries and the howlings in the night. And they see the cutting on their wrists and on their arms. And they go, I don't know that I can subject myself to a greater force because greater is he that is in me. Now, that's not the way to use that verse. And Jesus is like, yeah, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. When Jesus comes in, (laughs) he can topple every mountain. He can break every chain. He can loose every piece of bondage. I loved it, I love it when that when Jesus stepped foot, right? He just stepped foot on the ground, that this guy comes running out of the tomb instantly. See, a thing that I love about campfires is that the smoke gets rid of the mosquitoes pretty much. But if you can't get rid of the mosquitoes that way, you go the old fashioned way. Blue bug zapper machine. Right? You just hang that thing up. Now the gross thing is that all the bugs <laughs> go there. It was like, you know, it's like getting mashed in the corner. And I get a real sense of enjoyment and accomplishment out of those bugs dying. You know, it's like, it's like, yeah, well done, well done, well done. But do you know why those bugs go there? They love the light. They love the light. You know why that man in those tombs came running out of that grave? He saw the light. He saw the light. And he's like, I see the the light at the end of the tunnel. I see Jesus. And I just got to get over there. I see Jesus. Do you notice? The demons already knew his nature. They asked for mercy. Because they knew Jesus was merciful. Like Jesus. You're all powerful. You're the King of Kings. You're the Lord of Lords. Have mercy on us. The most powerful force that these people had ever known were asking Jesus for mercy because they, even they knew his character traits. They knew that he, he was merciful. Had no mercy on the pig. He's merciful. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is the promise that we are given just when Jesus is leaving this earth that the Holy Spirit's gonna come, that his power is gonna come upon you, meaning the power of God, the same power that conquered that demon. That same power now is available for every single person who believes in Jesus Christ, his relationship with him, and then you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. We talked about this last week where this word witness is is the the legal term that someone who's standing on a sitting on the stand testifying in a legal case. Like this is this is proper standing that I'm going to go and I'm going to tell the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth. This is exactly what happened. This is exactly what happened. Did you know that God intended for you to have a story to tell? He intended for you to have a story to tell. Sometimes we look at our lives and we go, well, this Bible is so amazing, but I don't have a boat, and I don't know any demons shackled in a graveyard. So how, how am I going to live this thing out? Like, it's just impractical. <laughs> but Jesus actually intended for you to live a life filled with powerful encounters where the power of God is evident and he's at work so that you will have a story to tell. And sometimes you think that your, your, your story doesn't count or your story doesn't matter, but your story only doesn't count and it doesn't matter to you. The only person who's decided that your story is not worth sharing is you. The only person who's decided that God's done nothing in your life that you don't need to talk about it is you. The only person who decided that you are unworthy of this gift to be a witness is you. We put ourselves in the slow lane on the highway of life, and we let everyone else pass us by, and we go, their story's better. Their salvation's better. God's doing more things in their life. He's working. He's doing things, and I'm just sitting here wishing that I could be that person in the fast lane. If you want to be the person in the fast lane, you just signal and move over. This is This is where we're going. This is what we're trying to discover is how do we live the story? How do we live the story? First, we have to understand (laughs) that every single person has a story. Every single person has the entire power of God available to them. And that he has always intended for you to do something with it. We come into default mode saying, God couldn't do anything with me. God doesn't want to use me. God doesn't even like me most of the time. No, you don't like you most of the time. God loves you all the time. Well, God doesn't have a plan for me. Really? Then why did he make you? Because the Bible says he knit you together, he made you, he knew you in your mother's womb. He put you together, he put your hopes, your dreams, your aspirations, your gifts, your talents, your abilities, and he knows what you're good at and he knows where you need you have some growth opportunities. And he made you with a purpose. So the very fact that you're sitting here on this earth, breathing in breath, is proof enough. It's a miraculous moment because we know how many babies don't make it. So the fact that you're sitting here right now is miraculous proof that the power of God is at work in your life and that he wants to do something through you and he wants you to tell somebody about it. You go, well, but there's got to be greater levels, there's got to be more, there's, there, there's got to be more, There's there is more. Jesus said, the baseline, these things that you see in here, he says it in John 14, that you've seen these things and you will do even greater things. Even greater things than what Jesus has done. Well, how is that possible? It goes back to the Lord's Prayer. Anyone remember the Lord's Prayer in here? Anyone know that one? Which should probably be called the Disciples' Prayer, not the Lord's Prayer, but that's fine, it's for another day. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We'll just stop right there. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Matt, can we circle you? All right, here we go. Power of the Holy Spirit. It's upon Okay, let's try it again. One, two, three. comes upon you. Okay, no, it's not working. Here, uh, let's try a whole underline. Let's do an exciting underline. When the Holy Spirit comes. <laughs> See, it's a miracle. you got a story to tell. Upon you. Oh, it disappeared. All right. Great job, Matt. keeps disappearing. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Jesus wants to come upon you. The whole idea is you. You are the whole idea. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And the Holy that you cheer for that and not the gospel? (laughs) Somebody stand up and give me a stank face right now. But you receive power. The whole idea is that the Holy Spirit will come upon you, not your neighbor, not your friend, not somebody else, not the pastor, not the preacher, not the worship leader, not the guy with the beard. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it now shifts to you, and you bring the kingdom of God from heaven to earth. From heaven to earth. We're pulling it down from heaven to earth. The Holy Spirit is not some terrifying, scary force who makes people do crazy, weird things. People do crazy, weird things. The Spirit, <laughs> Holy Spirit of God comes upon you. You bring heaven to earth, and then you have some stories to tell, and you become a witness. You become a witness. You become a witness. Can I get a witness? You become A witness. The Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is the life of a believer. It's not hard. It's not complicated. We follow Jesus one step at a time. And every day we wake up and we feel good because his mercies are new every morning. And we say, God, what do you want to do today? The Holy Spirit comes upon you if you invite him and you say, come on, fill me up, and you bring heaven to earth in your everyday situation. Every time healing happens, it's just reminiscent of what happens in heaven. Because if you die and you go up to heaven, guess what? Instant healing. So healing happens on earth. Why? Because we're pulling heaven down into earth. You've got a story to tell. In fact, you already have a story to tell. You already have a story to tell. You say, yeah, but I grew up in a Christian home. I went to Sunday school and I played with the flannel boards, put different animals on it. I never paid attention. I went to youth group. Now I'm here. I'm so glad that you're excited to be in Gay City Church this Sunday morning. Isn't it a testimony to God's faithfulness that you're here right now? (laughs) Isn't the fact that you survived those random freak accidents the last 14 years with all your poor decisions, isn't it a miracle that you're sitting here right now? Isn't it incredible that in spite of your circumstances, maybe you didn't come from a Christian home, maybe you came from somewhere else? Isn't it a miracle that you're sitting here right now because of the obstacles that you've overcome in your life through the power of Jesus? Isn't that a story to tell? Isn't it a story to tell even if you have grown up in church your whole life? Hey, has anyone not struggled with anything ever? Put up your hand. Hey, we're honest for the first time in a long time. The fact that you struggle with something and that you're still here and God is at work in your life is proof enough that you've got a story to tell. That God is doing something in you. The fact that you are overcoming those very things that used to keep you trapped and shackled and chained up. And now you're like, "Ah, I don't really want to do that anymore. What happened? I don't know. I just don't really want to do it anymore. Can I tell you what happened? As you started to extract those things by the power of God, he started to fill you up even more. And now you've got a story to tell. The whole idea is not that Jesus just came. And died on the cross for you so that you could just go and do whatever you want and come to church on Sundays, Which sometimes feels like change and bondage to some people. Go to a better church. The whole idea from the start was that Jesus created you for relationship and that you and him together could change this earth. That you and him together could reach your friends, your families, and your neighbors. That you and him could walk together in this incredible relationship. And can I tell you what? You know what flows out of relationship? Awareness. Like, what do you mean by that? Matt and I have been friends for a very long time. More years than I would like to say out loud. Because it brings me to a new level of awareness of how old I am becoming. I know a lot of things about Matt, all the things, the good, the bad, the ugly. I know it, and he knows it about me. Because of that, there is a level of understanding and communication that can happen where just surely by his body language, by the look on his face, I know where things are at. And with one or two questions... I know what's wrong and how we can solve it, which is generally going out to eat something. <laughs> or a movie, maybe. It literally solves every major problem in life. But because of an awareness level, not only do I know what's wrong, I know how to react and respond, right? I, I know what to do. And even in the moments where I don't know what to do, I know that if I just take them out for dinner, it's all going to solve itself in the end. Because sometimes we just need to sit there and eat Boston pizza and everything is going to be all right. Knowing that we're there together. But when Jesus comes in your life and you've got a relationship with him, he sees in you that same ebb and flow. Because he knows you better than any human being could ever know you. And he knows how to respond in your life to those areas of pain. He knows whether he needs to send somebody else, whether he can talk to you himself, whether he needs to come in and do the work, whether you need healing, whether he wants someone to come and pray for you, whatever it is, he knows every aspect. And in the same way, because of that awareness, you know how Jesus feels, you know how he thinks, you know because of your closeness, that when he sees Brendan Paulson convulsing in chains and shackled up, that you know Jesus well enough that you go, oh, you want to do something about that. You want to do Jesus, you want to do something about that? Let's do it together. And you come over because he's given you his authority. Because even though he's not here, he's given it to you. And you go, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to handle that thing. Because this is what Jesus wants for you. That's what it looks like to live the story. Did you notice this part at the end? Matt, why don't you help me out? Take me all the way back to Mark chapter 5. I think it's going to be verse 18. As Jesus was getting in the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Verse 19. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the 10 towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. You know what we learn by these last three lines? Verse 19, he has a family. He has people who care for him. He has people who love him. He has people who miss him. He is not just a demonized maniac. He is a person who Jesus loved and who somebody else loves. And I'm going to look past the infirmity. I'm going to look past the difficultness. I'm going to look past the hard times. I'm going to look past the thing that goes, ooh, that's drama and that's messy. And I'm going to see him the way that Jesus sees him. And then it says somebody who is loved by somebody else. And that somebody has been praying for a breakthrough. And today, Jesus, should we take care of this situation? Here's the last thing that we learn. They begged Jesus. He begged Jesus to come with them. Just take me with you. Take me with you. Take me with you. I want to go with you. I want to find freedom just take me take me with you i want to i want to come with you it's just better if i'm with you jesus which is how each and every one of us sound when we desperately cling to the promise of the rapture. Jesus, just take us home. Just take us home. Just take us home. Just take us home. Take us home right now. It's too tough. It's too evil. There's too much. Take me home. Get me out of here. Eject button. I want to leave. I want to go. That's not a good theology, and I'm not talking about the principle. I'm talking about the idea that all we want to do is hit the eject button and run away from the problems when Jesus steps out of the boat and walks towards them. I just preach way better than anyone except for Adrian Respondent. Because it's hard. Because I don't want to get in the mess. I don't want to get my hands dirty. No, but Jesus set you free. So don't you think that you should go help Jesus set somebody else free? Or it's just it's just for you, I see. So the man started off to visit the ten towns, the Decapolis region. And began to proclaim the great things that Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what... He told them, it was an amazing story because he was possessed and he was crazy and he was out of his mind and Jesus set him free. But can I tell you, you're possessed and you're out of your mind and Jesus is setting you free. And the way that that looks on the outside, even though we rank it by grades of sin, Jesus sees it all in the same way. And he said, hey, you're forgiven and you're set free. And when you walk into that new life and you walk into that freedom and you begin to tell somebody about it, you look different. You look different. You start looking like Jesus. I can hear freedom in your voice. It changes your intonation. You've been listening to The Engage Life, powered by Engage City Church. If you like what you heard, check out engagechurch.ca.